the ExxonMobil Formula One podcast. I'm David Croft. Well, hello and welcome once more to the ExxonMobil F1 podcast. I'm David Croft, you can call me Crofty, and after four exciting rounds of the 2021 season, we've reached the Principality of Monaco for one of the most, if not the most, famous race of them all. Yes, the two-mile blast around the streets of Monte Carlo. Juan Manuel Fangio won there in 1950 at an average speed of 61 miles an hour. The winner this year, expected to complete an average speed over the 78 laps, of 98 miles an hour. That's just short of 158 kilometers an hour, which I know doesn't sound fast compared to the likes of Monza, but it's pretty good for roads that normally play host to the most expensive traffic jams in the world. And just think, the driver's never more than a few centimeters away from sporting disaster and the Armco. Anyway, we're going to hear from the Red Bull driver Sergio Perez, who crashed into the Armco once upon a time in Monaco, and team boss Christian Horner, as they take us behind the scenes in Monaco and pick out their highs and lows from previous years and there's a few words from the race winner too after a brilliant afternoon for the team but before i give you a few more monaco stats Let's talk 99 balloons for a few moments. Recently, I had the pleasure of appearing in a new advertising campaign for the SO Synergy Supreme Plus 99 unleaded fuel. Remember the challenge with Alex Albon in ice cream vans last year? Well, this year, we've swapped ice cream vans for go-karts, and very special go-karts they were too. And we use these carts to help pop some balloons using speed, spikes, and yes, Sergio and Max who had the spikes attached to their heads whilst they sped underneath the balloons in the carts. You'll see the end result soon. Let's just say it all got a bit messy because we filled the balloons with coloured powder and it went everywhere. Trust me, I know I had to sweep it all up. But just why did ExxonMobil go to a lot of trouble to make a lot of mess that day? Well, luckily for us, Mark Humphreys, ExxonMobil's motorsport global advisor and sponsorship manager, was on hand to tell us why. But it's one thing, of course, having a wonderful film shoot and filling an aircraft hangar with coloured powder and balloons. It's another to ask why ExxonMobil would want to be doing something like that. Mark Humphreys is the Motorsport Global Advisor and Sponsorship Manager for ExxonMobil. Mark, you're the man who has to bring this concept to the Red Bull team, of course, to get the drivers to cooperate. So um, was that an easy job? Um, This one wasn't too bad. Um, They always are challenges because, you know, you have to explain the vision and also there's that fine line between getting something interesting and exciting and fun but also not making the drivers look ridiculous in doing this so i think we've achieved that today um and the great news is that red bull as a as a brand as a company are really out there in in what they do so they really get what we're trying to achieve with these type of things you look quite nervous this morning before everything happened you're smiling now in between times, we've seen Max and Sergio laughing and giggling away and having an awful lot of fun uh, on the go-karts, which we ought to add were dressed up as NSX Hondas that look absolutely sensational. When you see the drivers smiling, do you start to relax then? Yeah, it is great to see them having fun because, you know, they're not actors. This is not their day job. They don't really sign up to go racing to do this. So it's important that if they are doing it, they, they do get fun, they do get pleasure and enjoyment out of it because, as I said, that comes across to the consumer in the, in the end film and that that really makes a difference for us because you don't have to drag people through these type of activities and not want to do it you want them to really take pleasure from it and and communicate that pleasure out on the screen 
And I see a lot of work going in from yourself and your team to bring Formula One and SO and Mobile One's involvement in Formula One to other parts of ExxonMobil as well. Uh, so we have all the, the tools at our disposal to go out and sell what ExxonMobil excel at, if that makes sense. Uh, it must be great for you that, that you can do that sort of thing and, and you get the cooperation of Red Bull to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of, of ExxonMobil's involvement in Formula One and what we achieve as part of the sport and our, our reputation in the sport. So I'm passionate about what I do for a living. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, but I also feel it makes a huge difference to our organisation that there's a, a massive amount of benefit from the investment that we make in this sport that we're able to, to grab back by doing events like this and doing things like this to communicate our brands to consumers all over the world in a fun, exciting and interesting way. And we certainly did that today. Can't wait to see the finished article. I'm, I'm sure you're the same. I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, what the guys come through with on the final edit. Exxon Mobile Formula One podcast. And trust me, I can't wait to see the finished version too. So to Monaco we flew then and after three wins for Mercedes in 2021 and just the one so far for Red Bull, this was a big weekend for the team. They needed a big result to stop their championship rivals getting too far ahead and hopes were that they were going to get it. The Red Bull very much the more fancied car around the streets of Monaco uh, due to Mercedes having a longer wheelbase. Oh yes, and Red Bull having a better chassis and let's face it, better power from the fuel as well. Uh, but nothing comes easy in the Principality of Monaco. It's one of the toughest challenges of the year, both for drivers and for their machines. The 72nd or so lap is so busy with constant inputs and steering adjustments and the cars themselves rely very heavily on the Mobile One oils and lubricants to keep things running in very hot and very difficult conditions. For instance, the lap might only be two miles long, but each lap the drivers make something in the region of 25 upshifts and 25 downshifts in terms of changing gear. That's the most over one lap over the course of the season. Now off the track, the teams eat in the paddock, then they have to walk to the pit lane, which is about 500 metres from the hospitality unit, so they better not forget anything. At the engineer's offices, they're above the pit lane, and they also contain the pit wall units, where you see the team bosses and the race engineers sitting during the race. There's no space to put these by the side of the track, so for the only time in the season, those sitting on the pit wall can't actually see the track itself. The garages are really cramped, there's hardly any space to move, and it means the crews have to complete their work very methodically, and with a bit of difficulty at times as well. At least this year, they didn't have to worry about the noise from the constant partying. Due to the COVID pandemic, attendance was restricted. Only 12 people at a time were allowed on a yacht, however big it was, and strictly no music was to be played to dissuade people from gathering in large groups all of which gave Monaco a slightly quieter feel. However, there's no denying that coming to Monaco as a Formula One driver makes you feel very special indeed, as Red Bull driver Sergio Perez explained to me on Wednesday afternoon. Sergio Perez, great to see you. Here we are in Monaco. Um, I would imagine there's no place on earth that makes you feel more like a Formula One driver than sitting in the paddock in Monaco, looking at the boats and thinking, yeah, this is my turf. It's pretty cool, you know, you really like get into, into that spirit of like, wow, this is like the historical. When you are, are a young kid, you, you always watch Formula One Grand Prix and it's Monaco. It's like, oh, that weekend in particular, you dream to one day driving here and and, uh, and obviously win the race. So, you know, so it, yeah, it's, it's the most unique place and it's a... Uh, the place where all drivers win to tr dream to win. 
four races in now, fifth race uh, this weekend for Red Bull. Do you feel like you've settled in now or do you still feel a bit like the new boy? I may still feel uh, like a new boy, to be honest, <laughs> uh, in, in the team with the, with the car. Um, I think I went from a very different car. There are a lot of different things I, I have to to do, but uh, it's just getting there. At the end of the day, it's still a Formula One car and uh, we, we're making progress. I think I, I've been affected as well by the reduced uh, practice times during the weekends, you know. Um, it's very limited this day, the, the running you get on Friday, but, uh, but it's part of it. It's, it's a difficult <clears> thing for a driver to get to learn the crew because it, Formula One's a team sport at the end of the day. If you don't know your crew, then how can you get them to help you, as it were? It's a process. It's a, it's, it's a way that we do things and, and it will just eventually get there and everything will make sense and uh, we're going to be a, a good team. Tell us a bit about those processes. What have you noticed that's very different to your previous teams, to, to Racing Point, Force India, to McLaren, Sauber? Well, the way you communicate and you explain a car, you know, to, to them, uh, the way they set up, obviously, suspensions, geometries, everything is very different. Uh, so the way you drive and you expl exploit the, the most out of the car is very different as well. I mean, I've been doing that for eight years in a, in a team. And you already know if there is a change of conditions, you, you know what you got to do. And you know you, your car, your setup, like like the back of your mind. So here is not the case. Everything has to be very conscious. And um, that's the biggest thing. Different engine as well, of course. First time in your career you've driven a Honda engine. Although it's not the first time you've worked with Mobile One. You, you had the, the benefit of that partnership at McLaren back in 2013. Yeah. Um, what's been the main differences between a Honda engine and a Mercedes engine that you've had before? Well, the main difference is that uh, Mercedes doesn't have Mobile One, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that was good well, back that in the, the McLaren it, days. I'm sure that was the answer you wanted, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's what everyone wants to hear. I mean, do you, do you remember your time yeah. back at McLaren in 2013? Do you remember working with Mobile One and, and, and yeah. how that used to help you too? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was great, you know, having that uh, close relationship with them. They definitely brought good performance in, into, the, into the engine. Uh, those days um, so yeah it was always always great to to have such a partnership with with mobile and what about expectations uh, for your time at red bull do the team communicate with you those expectations you you were saying this week helmet marco is very quick with the feedback and you quite appreciate that i love that you know because uh, to have someone that as a boss that tells you you've done great or you've done really bad and he really means it either way you know um, you know that the <laughs> The, the moment that he will sack you, it will be the same, you know, or if he will like to continue with you. So I just like uh, very straightforward people. It's an expectation of success that, that you want to live up to almost. It's the expectations is basically from myself, you know, I mean, I've been more than 10 years in the sport. Uh, I'm, I'm not here for, for anyone, just for, just for myself. And I want to, to make sure I'm able to, to deliver. Uh, I have a, a tough job, you know, because getting used to a to a quite different car, different power unit. It's part of, of it, but uh, I'm sure I I'll eventually get there. And just finally, Monaco memories. It would be stupid not to sit here and talk about previous Monaco. You've been on the podium here. You've knocked yourself unconscious here as well. I don't know which one yeah. you remember more than the other. <laughs> and not from boxing. Not from boxing. <laughs> not from boxing. It was a big crash you had, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a big one in 2011. Yeah. Was, and, uh, yeah. and then I was on the podium in 2016. Um, I've won here in GP2 as well, um, 
and hopefully uh, I can add a bit more to, to it this weekend. Do you get to have dinner with, with Prince Albert if you win a GP2, like the, the Formula One drivers Yes, I, I went to the... the yeah? Yes. What did you talk about with the Prince, can you say? Well, he was quite friendly, you know, and um, I remember uh, Mark Webber was there and, and it was just a um, friendly chat about the race, about Monaco. Uh, I played football with 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 him as well, so it's been nice. <laughs> well, maybe next year we can have some more football, but for this year, good luck. Let's see you on the podium again. Thanks, man. Exxon Mobile Formula One podcast. And Sergio would go on to finish a fine fourth in the race after a disappointing qualifying. Some neat strategy work from the Red Bull team, though, saw him leapfrog ahead of Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, and Pierre Gasly during the pit stops. And what would you say to the Prince of Monaco if you had the chance? Answers on a postcard, please. Now, more on the race in a moment here on the Exxon Mobil F1 podcast. Reflecting on a Monaco weekend with a pole sitter has led the first lap every year since 2002. But not in 2021, because the pole sitter was forced out before the action even started. Yes, it was despair for Leclerc, but that would play out nicely for Red Bull, whose team boss Christian Horner is a man who very much enjoys coming to Monte Carlo, as he told me on Thursday afternoon. First, though, we reflected on his thoughts on the close battle between Red Bull and Mercedes in the season so far. Great to catch up, Christian. Great to be back in Monaco again. Um, and a great start to the season, really, for all us fans and us neutrals. How satisfied have you been with the first four races? Been satisfied, but not elated because there's been, you know, it's been so close um, with Mercedes. You know, four races, one pole, one win, three second places um, has been our best start since 2011. But unfortunately, it's been Lewis Hamilton's best start since 2006 or whatever. <laughs> so that is still a positive. And I think, you know, this, this championship is set to be a really, uh, really exciting one, really competitive one. Um, and uh, we've just got to keep pushing hard, developing and working with our partners like ExxonMobil um, to make sure that we take them all the way to the final race. If you've both made your best start to the season, which of course you have, the two teams, um, give us the inside view here. How evenly matched do you think in terms of drivers and engineering and, and, and mechanical aspects yep. you are with Mercedes? I think that uh, between the drivers, I think there's nothing in it. I think Lewis and and Max in particular are, are operating at, at an immensely high level where they've like two heavyweight boxers that have taken themselves to a new, you know, to a new level. Um, I think that, you know, some great work has gone over the winter with Honda, extremely well supported by, you know, ExxonMobil with, with the upgrading fuels that we've had that have brought us into the same region as as Mercedes on horsepower which is really encouraging for us I think the chassis regulations the chassis team have done a great job particularly in difficult circumstances with COVID and the pandemic in developing this car you know in what is a carryover car from last year which is why it's called 16B not RB17 <laughs> so I think they're all positives we're just missing that last little bit you know on race pace compared to Mercedes but um I'm confident in the team that we'll get there. That last little bit, that's the fine margin that wins or loses your world championship. And you've, you've been in that sort of situation yep. before with some very close battles. So I suppose you're looking at every single aspect from chassis to, to fuels to lubricants to everything that yep. can make that half a tenth that could make all the difference. Everything counts. And when you know, the, the margin between pole position and uh, 
you know, P2 has been less than a tenth. There's been less than a tenth splitting Lewis and Max pretty much all year. Mm. And that, as you say, is the fine margins of all the little bits that add up. And uh, that's where we're tremendously grateful to our partners that, you know, the sticker's not just on the car, the product's in the car. And that's what's making it uh, deliver at the, at the pace it is. Now, quite frankly, I don't know where you get the time to fight a championship battle at the moment because you've got next year, yep. massive regulation change, but also for the future, Red Bull developing and making their own engines. Yep. There's a lot of work going on at Milton Keynes now yep. to get things ready to yep. have the first Red Bull badged engine. Well, that's really exciting though. You know, we've made the decision right. We've got to take control of our own destiny. We've had a brilliant relationship with Honda. It's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's taken us to the party and it's shown us what kind of party is available. Um, and you, you don't want to leave that party when you've been there. So um, we've decided to go our own route with the engine to take it under our own roof. We'll be the only team other than Ferrari to have engine and chassis all on one site. And that is a unique opportunity to build a new business, to assemble a group of, of brilliant engineers um, to design and develop an engine to take on Mercedes and Ferrari and Renault and all these other manufacturers. So, you know, it's not a challenge that we underestimate, but again, with the right people, with the right tools, with the right partners, we can, uh, we can do exactly what we've achieved on the chassis side. And for the first time, have an engine department on campus. We're going to inherit some great people from, from Honda. Um, the senior team is now in place. Um, and been identified and I think that uh, yeah it's tremendously exciting it's, it's Red Bull's biggest commitment to Formula One since buying you know what was the Jaguar team back in 2004 and you know dinos are on order um, the facility the builders are knocking stuff down starting to you know build our, our, our new engine base and uh, it's all got to be done at usual Formula One speed yeah Good luck with that one, because uh, you're going to need it. I think uh, when it comes to fruition, I think it's a really exciting future, like you say. Let's just talk about exciting past, though, because sitting here in Monaco, it would be wrong not to talk about Monaco moments and Monaco yeah. memories uh, to a man who has a huge Monaco memory that involved taking his clothes off once to dive into a swimming yeah, so pool. Yes, thank you for that, Crofty. Um, well, that was our first ever podium, and, and that was the second year we were involved in Formula One. and. David Coulthard was our driver. Um, the car had been hopelessly uncompetitive uh, arriving here at what was the fourth or fifth round back in 2006. And I remember saying to David's uh, manager, your co-commentator, Martin Brundle, um, yeah, Martin had had a couple of drinks on Thursday night and said, David's always been fantastic around here. I, I, you know, I bet he'll be on the podium um, you know, this weekend. And I was like, Martin, if David's on the podium, I will jump naked into that swimming pool. Um, never thinking in a million years that one DC would be able to achieve it based on the performance and reliability of the car. Um, and never believed that Martin would hold me to this, this bet which he announced on national television um, in the UK. And so, of course, being a man of my word, I... I, I had to honour the bet, but he did grant me a Superman cape to um, protect my modesty. <laughs> and it was very much needed on a family show, obviously. Uh, podium's more likely this weekend, but is the, the naked Superman cape ever going to make no, a no, comeback? No, no, I've never make a bet with Martin Brunel ever again. Um, and uh, look, yeah, yeah, Monaco's a unique challenge. It's a great track. We've, we've had four wins here. 
um, and they've all been very special. Um, this is one of the big ones, same yeah. points as the other, but it's one of the big ones. And, um, you know, for Max, he's never been on the podium here, so it'd be great to see him up there. Just finally, do you think Formula One missed Monaco last year? Absolutely, we all miss Monaco. Formula One without Monaco is like the Spice Girls without Jerry. You know, it's, oh, it's um, un unthinkable. It, it's unthinkable, it's criminal. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Monaco is, you know, it's the biggest race on the calendar. When people think Formula One, they think Monaco. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, as a track, it's insane. You can't overtake. It's brutal with the barriers the way they are. So qualifying, there's a premium. Um, and But it's that historic race that everybody wants on their CV. So you'll be there, they say, and I'm glad we are. Thank you very much. Cheers, Christian. on mobile formula one podcast and i promise no more spice girls puns uh, well for now at least and no naked pool jumping this year as well uh, there wasn't a pool for christian to jump into sadly but there were celebrations max verstappen a man who'd never appeared on the podium in monaco before broke his duck in style by leading the race from the off and taking his first and red bull's fifth monaco win what a performance and you could tell just how pleased he was long before he took off his crash helmet and spoke to the media I'm super happy to win around here. It's such a tricky track, and you need a smooth weekend, you know. And I think we had that. Um, and yeah, in the race, everything went very well. I think we looked after our tyres well. And I mean, the, the concentration levels for 78 laps is uh, enormous. <laughs> but uh, of course, yeah, amazing. And of course, to lead the, the championship is a, is a nice bonus. Uh, I mean, I've said it many times before that it's still a very long season, so we have to keep on, on top of it. But for now, I'm of course super happy. I just have to make sure that a clean start and like basically cut the inside off. And I think we all, yeah, we did that. So I was of course very pleased with it. And um, yeah, from there onwards, it was uh, it looked like a straightforward race, but you still have to manage, of course, your tyres stay out of the wall first of all. But uh, yeah, it, it went really well today. The Exxon Mobile Formula One podcast. Max Verstappen super happy after winning the race that every driver wants to win, the Monaco Grand Prix. And his reward? Well, not just a dinner date with Prince Albert, as Sergio Perez was telling us, also the lead of the Drivers' Championship for the first time in his career. And for Red Bull, well, their reward is the lead of the Constructors' Championship as well. What a season this is becoming, and I'm sure the fight will be just as close over the next few races. So join us soon for another episode of the ExxonMobil F1 podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and if you want to know more about ExxonMobil's technical partnership well head to the ExxonMobil internal motorsport website at www.mobile1motorsport.com we'll have another episode for you in a few races time with more news from trackside and in the meantime enjoy the action and thanks for listening the ExxonMobil formula one podcast with david croft